Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Strong by Design podcast. Jeez, I'm like double, I'm double promoting the show here today on video. I, I just kind of realized that. I, I've just shifted my office around, and I have monitors over here, my laptop over here, because I haven't set everything up on my computers yet for, for doing a Zoom call. But uh, so happy uh, to have you join us today, listeners. Um, another episode with a terrific guest who I'm excited to get to know in this conversation today. But before we, we introduce who our guest is, I want to uh, say a few things. First, I want to thank you for choosing Strong by Design. There's so many podcast shows out there, a lot of great ones that I listen to. And I thank you for choosing ours. It means a lot to us, as I say, in almost every episode. Thank you so much. We, we really mean that because every listener matters to us. And uh, I would love to ask you to do two things when you're done listening to this show today. Number one is share it with somebody who will benefit from this conversation, as I know there will be many that will. Uh, share it with a friend or family member, somebody who needs to hear this message from our amazing guests today. Number two, I ask, uh, give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, we don't get them if we don't ask for them. I got to be honest with you. You know, they don't just seem to happen organically. Um, and it really helps us. It helps other people find us and get to know us a little bit through other people's reactions to our show. So the ratings and reviews mean a lot. Whatever platform you listen to this show on, uh, please do that for us uh, at the end of this episode. And we just greatly appreciate that. So let's get into it. Our guest today, Mr. Order of Man, Ryan Mickler, is on the Strong by Design podcast. I have a whole bunch of information to my left here. So I, if I'm turning my head looking, because this will be released as a video as well, I'll be reading about him over here so I get things right. Ryan, welcome to Strong by Design. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the opportunity. I've been looking forward to our conversation, so glad we could make it work. Yes, yes, sir. And you, I see you're represented with the hat too. You got, you got your hat. Oh, yeah. You're all, you're all geared up. Probably have a, probably have, yeah, an order of men shirt on, <laughs> just, just like you. You know, you got to promote the brand. That's and you got to right. put it out there, and a little, uh, a little uh, self publicity is is a good thing. It goes a long way. So always That's represent. Right. That's right. Uh, Ryan, is, we have him on the show today because this is a guy who who knows the topic of 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 men, of being a man, of masculinity, of what it means to be a man, especially in today's day and age when being a man is almost frowned upon or not promoted in, in a positive way. And, you know, I came across uh, Ryan uh, some point last year. I was introduced to him uh, virtually through a, a past podcast guest. I had a great conversation with somebody who said, hey, this is another guy that you need to have on your show. And I'm so happy that he introduced us because after reading more about him, listening to him, getting to know him, um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation about this particular topic uh, because obviously it means something to me. I, as, a, as a man of 45 years old, um, uh, you know, a, a husband, a father, um, I, I, I know what it means to be uh, – to, to be a man versus being a boy or being a, a, a male or being a, a guy, you know, uh, being a man is something a little bit different. So I want to dive deep with that uh, with Ryan today. So Ryan, please 
give the audience a little bit more information about what you are doing uh, today with your podcast, with your blog, with your platform in helping to shape ma- manliness and masculinity? Yeah, I think you, I think you explained it pretty well. Uh, I look at my job as somebody who is going to help boys and males. And there's a distinction between male and men. We can get more into that. But to help boys and males step more fully into manhood and manliness. And we do that via our podcast. We've got programs. We've got uh, an exclusive brotherhood. We do live events. But primarily what we do and what I enjoy very much about the work that we do is I get to have incredible conversations with incredible men who are successful in politics and business and in their family lives, fitness and every aspect and element of, of their lives. And so I think at this point we've interviewed over, I want to say it's about 330 interviews that we've done uh, over 720 total podcasts that we've done in a period of six years. Uh, And sometimes I feel a bit selfish because I feel like I'm the greatest beneficiary of what we're doing. And I feel like as I learn more about what it means to be a man that I think the gap is just as large with me, if not more so than anybody else who might be tuning in. So, I've never really considered myself the epitome of masculinity, but I feel like I'm on the path. I have a desire to be so. I'm trying to be a great father, a great husband to my wife, and of course, father to my four kids. Uh, I'm trying to lead this movement. I'm trying to give people hope and optimism. I'm trying to help them step more fully into what it means to be a man by defining it first and then uh, promoting masculine virtues and manliness and also fighting against the doctrine of popular culture that you alluded to earlier, which is uh, critical of masculinity. It undermines and dismisses men in general. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it, it will probably, and I hate to say this, take some sort of dangerous or destructive or catastrophic circumstance to wake up a lot of these people who have been for decades and decades uh, undermining and, and trying to root away the masculinity that, uh, that will help save and serve people, their families, their communities, mm. and their countries. Yeah. It's almost like the word masculine or masculinity has been, you know, become a shameful word or a negative thing. And it, it, it's, it's because I think people have different, you know, kind of t- different definitions for words. People have, are making up their own definitions for what things mean, uh, what it meant to be a man 100 years ago versus what it meant 50 versus what it meant 25 years ago. It's changed. Yeah, I mean, it's things evolved. evolve. Yeah, th- things do evolve. There's timeless masculine uh, characteristics uh, and attributes that don't actually change the way right. that we might administer those things may change over time. But changing the vocabulary is a tactic. Right. It's a, it's a strategy of the overall mission, which is to undermine masculinity because, frankly speaking, men, strong, independent, capable patriarchs, even the word patriarch, but leaders right. of their families and their businesses and their communities represent a, a very strong line of defense against the powers that be who would love nothing more than to be able to control and manipulate people at their whim. And strong, capable, bold, assertive men don't allow that to happen. So it's a tactic of a greater strategy, which is to root away any barrier uh, to control that they would otherwise have. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, and I, I, I'm very anxious to, to, to dive into this uh, further. Before we get there, though, you have a bit of a backstory as a young man, as a boy, somebody who didn't grow up with a, with a father figure. Could you touch on that uh, so our listeners know a little bit more about your history and where you're coming from? You know, it's interesting. As many podcasts as I do, I have so many people ask me that question. And yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I have answered that question so often. And and what I would say is my story isn't all that special or unique or amazing. It's it's a pretty typical, average, ordinary, very common theme that I hear a lot with yeah. the men who tune into what we're doing. You know, I, I grew up primarily without a permanent father figure. My dad and mom uh, split when I was three. I had opportunities to see my dad. I know that he loved me. Uh, I, I, I missed him when we were not together doing things, building Legos and building, you know, Pinewood Derby cars and all the things that we would occasionally do. Uh, but he just wasn't present. And I had a stepfather come into my life who was an alcoholic, never abusive. Uh, in fact, there was glimpses, moments in time where I felt like looking back, he was doing what he, he should have been doing. We, we also built Pinewood Derby cars together. We would go to the uh, sprint car races and uh, he was a cabinet maker. And I remember that he would uh, hire me to come sweep the floors of his shop and he would pay me a few bucks for sweeping up all the sawdust at the end of the day. So there was like glimpses there. Uh, and then I had another stepfather come into my life later on who was verbally and emotionally abusive, not so much directed or aimed at me, uh, but towards my mom and my sister, a very, very angry person, unfortunately. Uh, and again, glimpses, just a, a, a brilliant entrepreneur and business owner, very smart, very intelligent. But along with that came uh, his, his manipulative behavior and, and, and that controlling personality. And so, yeah, I didn't really have great examples. I had some coaches come into my life who uh, one in particular, his name is Matt Labram, is still a, a friend of mine. And a longtime mentor. And even though we don't obviously communicate as often as we did when he was coaching me in, in football and baseball, um, I, I look to him and I see him and others who are great examples, not perfect, of course, but great examples of what it means to be men and spent some time in the military and had other examples around both good and not so good men. Um, so it isn't special. You know, it really isn't. Uh, I, I didn't really understand the negative ramifications, and not that I would change any of it because I'm pretty happy with where I am in my life right now. And, and part of my past experience is what makes me who I am and has led me to the work that we're doing. Uh, but I do wonder, you know, what life would look like and how much further down the track I would be if I would have had a, a strong, honorable, righteous father in the home doing good work to the best of his ability. And I, I just didn't have that. So as I talked about this uh, early on, uh, in my marriage and early on in the uh, the podcast and the movement days, I realized more and more men can basically recite what I just recited to you verbatim and it would it would tell their story and that 's why we 've had so much success is not because I come from some poverty stricken background and I've risen from the ashes and not because I was given a silver spoon and everything's been handed to me on a silver platter. I'm neither of those. I'm a pretty ordinary average guy doing ordinary things with an ordinary background. I just have taken it and used it as fuel to improve my station and in turn uh, have attempted to help other men do the same thing for themselves. So 
that's a little bit about my background. It's very understated. And I talk about it in that context because I want people to know with as much success as that we've had with our particular movement, it's not, I'm not anything special. There isn't anything special that we're doing. It's just, we're talking and communicating and sharing ideas that resonate with other people who have gone through similar experiences. Yeah. You've, well, you've provide, provided an outlet and a platform uh, to bring, obviously, a, this conversation up with men of all different backgrounds, right? Um, uh, all different uh, experiences, uh, guys who have had great fathers, guys who had no father, guys who had, you know, abusive fathers. Um, and sometimes the same dad is all, all three of those things, yeah, uh, which can very be true. quite confusing. I, I, I kind of came from that. Um, I, I had a, even more challenging, you know, in a lot yeah. of ways, because then you start getting these mixed signals. Like I always looked not to interrupt, but I, you know, I always looked at, at the, the, the figures that I had and thought, okay, well, I don't want to be that. And then I saw other men in my circle, coaches, uh, friends, fathers. I'm like, no, I want to be that. But yeah, I can't imagine if it was conflicting with the same individual, that would be a very yeah. interesting perspective. I never yeah. really considered that before. Yeah. Quite confusing for, for a young person. Uh, one minute you're lo- you love me or tell me you love me, show me you love me. And the next minute you're outraged by something because you're, you know, you're, you're drinking and you're abusive uh, verbally and physically. Um, and, mm. and then ne- never, not quite sure from day to day, which person is your, you know, you're dealing with. Um, yeah, that was, I, I was the youngest of three boys and um, I kind of had it the easiest, I would say, because my brother, my older brothers took the brunt of, of my dad's disciplinary uh, ways. His, hmm. He's a, a Marine. He was uh, abusive. Uh, he was an alcoholic, but he was a high functioning alcoholic. Um, and he could be very loving and he, he was outgoing and very friendly. And a lot of people, I think in his professional life and in church and um, just around the community saw this one version of my dad, but there was this other version that was quite nasty and scary and um, harsh and brutal and all these other things, you know, so it's, but he had a great work ethic and we learned a lot of, Good thing. You know, there's so many positive takeaways from my childhood and my dad, but so many other things that uh, were, were frightening as a kid that I don't want my children to grow up with, you know? So it's, it's, it's well, amazing. Yeah. I think you're talking about it from a healthy perspective. Of course, yeah. it sounds like in your situation, it was, it was extreme, right? Either extremely loving and caring and outgoing and charismatic or potentially abusive. Right. Uh, those are extremes. But it also defines all of us, <laughs> you know, like, like I get impatient with my children. I don't raise my hand to my children, but I get impatient with them. I yell at them, you know, and out of, out of an emotional response or some level of impatience. Uh, and there's other times where I can be the most empathetic person in the world to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like w- we all, we all vary in our personality. And, and one of the things I actually, that really served me, as I thought about the relationship with my father is I, I put, I didn't place him on a pedestal. I placed the concept of fatherhood on a pedestal. So I, so what I said is this is what a father is. And a father is essentially Superman. 
He does all the things. He's all at all the events. He makes enough money to put food. He loves his wife, my mother. Uh, he, he plays catch with me and, and we have the picket fence, you know, and, and the beautiful house and the beautiful haunt. Like that's what a father is. And, and he's not going to let anything bad ever happen and nothing is going to go wrong. He's never going to lose his patience. He's never going to drink alcohol. He's never going to lose his job. None of that. It's going to be perfect. And that was my ideal. And then I saw my dad. And I wasn't fair to him because I said, well, why? And subconsciously, I wasn't saying this verbally, but why wasn't he this? Like, why wasn't he up here in the pedestal that I thought fatherhood should be? And there was this huge disparity between where he was and where I thought he should be. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't fair of me. It wasn't fair of me to overlook his experiences and his life and the situations that he dealt with. And I'm not absolving him of some responsibility to be present for me and the family. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that when I let go of some of the expectations Unfortunately, my father has passed at this point, but when I let go of the expectations for him, it was very easy for me to forgive him. Not easy, easier. I had an easier time with it. And also, as I started to have children, a light bulb went off like, oh, this is hard. Mm. You know, I have four kids and I have to feed them and I have to entertain them and I have to make sure they're okay and I have to worry about their future and I have to put food on the table and I have to make sure my wife is okay and that she has her opportunity for growth and that she can see her friends and that she has every opportunity to be a good mother based on what I'm providing. And so, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of weight. I'm, I'm capable of shouldering that, of course, and I'm trying to make myself more capable of doing that. But that's a lot of weight. And with that weight, sometimes there's some cracks. You know, sometimes I get impatient. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I just need to go away for a couple of days and go hang out with my friends or go to a conference or go to an event because I I can't do this all the time. And so I started to see my own imperfections and I realized, oh, I'm basically my dad. Maybe not to the extreme, but... I see where he was struggling and what he was dealing with and how hard it must have been for him. Uh, and it was a very cathartic moment for me, which, is, which has given me, a, a, frankly, a lot of peace in my life, especially in the relationship that I have with him. Wow, that's great. I love the insight. Um, it is. It's, it's amazing how our perspective changes and, you know, a, as we grow older and we become wiser, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it should, uh, right? It oh, should oh, change. It should, and <laughs> Not it should everybody change. does. That's right. Some people like like living in the in the past and and not and not growing their uh, you know growing their their worldview, uh, yeah. you know. But yeah, I mean things. You're absolutely right. When I reflect back, sometimes you know when my dad would lose lose control, uh, it's like I do that in my own way. It just looks different than his way. Uh, but I have my own version of that. Um, and it's, and when you catch, have you probably ever been that guy who's caught yourself in a moment and been like, Oh my gosh, I was my dad. Like, yeah, of course right for like a whole minute there or like right. whatever, like a way you say something, the way you said something or what you said or how you acted, um, the rage that you had over something so minor, uh, whatever it is, um, it, it, it is amazing. And some people just allow themselves to live in, in, in that way 
like every day and don't catch them. Some people just don't have breaks, right? They just don't catch themselves. Uh, and I'm I think that's to, a good point. To, speaking to men here, you know? Yeah. I, I think it goes for both men and women, you know, sure. and, and that's a, and that's a good point. And isn't that an amazing thing that yeah. in spite of your, let's just call it conditioning. Cause that's what it is, right? I'm conditioning. Yes. I'm parenting, but I'm also conditioning my kids through my conscious words and actions and also my subconscious words and actions, how to behave and view the world. And isn't it, and that's what my parents did to me and for me, right? And isn't it an interesting thing that in a moment, in an instant of just catching ourselves that we can decide, I'm going to not let that experience condition me this particular way. And instead, I'm going to choose to think, believe, or act differently. And that's a level of maturity that, frankly, a lot of people never come to. And what they do is they paint themselves as perpetual victims. Uh, I had somebody, I think, I think uh, one of my friends said something to the effect of, you know, nobody's a victim or you are not a victim and, and made a post about it. And my reaction to that was, uh, while I agree with that, some people have been victimized. Let's, let's be clear of that. You know, so for you and your situation, if you were subject to physical abuse, you were a victim of that as a child. Correct. Like, there's no other way to say that, right? You were victimized. You can live in that state forever and say, well, the reason I'm an the reason I don't have a good marriage, or the reason I don't have a job, or the reason I don't have this, and the reason blah, 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 is because my dad abused me when I was a kid. Well, maybe the circumstance that you're saying is true, that maybe you, you did have some of that abuse, but also there's an expiration date on some of that. And maturity is being able to let go of that and realizing that in spite of your past circumstances, positive or negative, the words, behaviors, and actions that you implement are going to determine what your life looks like. So, victimized, sure, I can agree with that. A perpetual victim why would you paint yourself into that corner? Right. Why do you want to live? Why do you want to live in that state forever? Why? Right. I, I mean, the only, I, I, like, that's a genuine question. Why? Why? Why do people want to live in that state? Because it's easier. Our team would like to thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. And if you're enjoying today's show, please share this episode with at least one friend or family member who will benefit from this message. And please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. That's strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. You know, it's easier, especially in this day and age where, where those who are perceived victims are often rewarded in the form of social clout, in the form of job promotion, promotions and advancements, uh, in the form of financial support. <laughs> it's, it's way easier to say that you're a victim than it is to say, you know, I had an unfortunate situation, an unfortunate circumstance. I was uh, the target of physical or emotional or sexual abuse. I was the recipient of racism. Like, I'm not saying that stuff doesn't exist. I'm just saying, okay, and what are you going to do about it? 
Right. Make yourself into a different person through your own actions and your own behaviors. And it's so incredible that we get to do that, but it's hard and it, and it is a challenge and it, there's a lot of risk associated with that. And sometimes, not sometimes, it's always easier, at least in the short term, to say you owe me something rather than you owe it to yourself. Absolutely. We all, <laughs> right. That's a whole, wow, that's a whole different topic, isn't it? We, we owe ourselves a lot more uh, effort and grace than we give ourselves. You know, we're, we're the first ones to be our worst enemy uh, and to, to tell ourselves, you know, no, we can't do this or that's too hard or that's not worth it or whatever. Um, it, it does have to, it starts with us, but then typically also we need to reach out <laughs> and we need, we need that support system in our lives, whether that's our wife or our family or dear friends or mentors or coaches. And that's or all of I mean, the above or, for all, different or, reasons. All, or all of that. Exactly right. You know, um, like I go to jujitsu a couple of times uh, in the evening each week and in the morning a couple of times. And there's guys that I train jujitsu with. And some of them I can ask and have some serious conversations about business or personal life. And frankly, I can't have the same type of conversation with my wife about some of that stuff. Right. And other things, I can talk with her about it, but it's just different. And I don't withhold that information. Uh, but then there's other situations where now I, I need to talk with my wife about that and my buddies and, and my brothers aren't going to hack it in this particular instance. So right. we, we have, it's like a, uh, like a baseball team, you know, we, or a football team. And so each player has their role and their responsibility and their duty. And they're all in, they're all working somewhat independent of each other. But when you combine them, all yeah. of those different roles and responsibilities, it makes a well-oiled functioning machine. And then you score or, or win or, you know, whatever the objective is. No, that's right. Everybody doing their own part. And then it's the symphony. It's the orchestra that makes it sound really, really good when it's all together. That's right. There's, there's, there's no bigger team in sports than a football team. That's, mm -hmm. that's what makes football so interesting to me. And that's just because it's my favorite sport because there's 53 guys that are contributing to the, to the result. Um, I mean, all sports are, are great in their own right whether it's soccer or basketball or baseball, hockey, they're all terrific. And soccer's a little debatable. So, know, so, okay. Soccer's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> we won't put that in the top four hockey, <laughs> hockey, baseball, basketball, football, right? Um, but football, there's so many parts to it, right? So there's special teams and offense and defense and, and different guys getting substituted. And it's an unbelievable thing, but when it all works together, it's like a symphony. Um, yeah. and it's, it can be beautiful. Uh, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Woo, woo. Right. I'm sorry. I, I'm, that, that's where we're from. We're in Tampa. So. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, I figured, yeah. I figured as much, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. And but, then you got to realize, you know, you have the head of the team as well. So right. I, I would say it's, you know, probably the coach would be the, the head. You have the players, of course, captain Tom Brady, things like that, but you take, take the coach and I figure that's my role, right? Here's the objective. Here's what, here's what I want to accomplish. Here's the parameters in which we're going to do it. And then what I need to do is I need to bring the right players and I need to put them in the right situations and the right positions. And I need to make sure they're, they're trained. And the way that I would liken that to real life is that they're aware of what I'm trying to accomplish. I give them permission to talk with me and to do things and say things that I need to hear in a way that I need to hear them so that I can accomplish what it is I'm out to accomplish. So we are the coach, then we have all of our players and we put them in the right. And you know what? Sometimes a player doesn't work out. 
And it's hard because you got to let that player go. And that might be somebody from high school that you've, you know, known forever or went, you went through some similar experiences and you actually have to go have some sort of heart to heart and say, hey, you're not on the team anymore. And that's a difficult thing to do. But if you want to accomplish the objective, these are tough decisions that mature people make. Uh, and it isn't personal. It just means I'm going this way and this is what I need in order to accomplish these things. Absolutely. And, and by yeah. the way, people will say this is selfish and maybe it is to a degree. Let, let's talk about that. It, it might be selfish that I need this. So here's the team I've organized. Um, but if you take care of yourself, you're going to be more capable of taking care of others. And also maybe the guy that you've had on your team forever that doesn't belong on quote unquote your team, when you release that individual in the world, he can then go find a team that he belongs to, mm -hmm. something that will serve him better. I think about this because uh, in my past life, I was uh, a financial advisor and then I managed retail stores. I did a lot of different things. Uh, and I would occasionally need to let people go. And that was a hard thing to do, especially initially, because I didn't want to do that. That was that person's income and their livelihood. And they probably derived a sense of meaning and purpose and satisfaction from it, but they just weren't the member of the team. And I had a very hard time with this until I talked with my manager or district manager. And at the time she had said, you know, Ryan, you actually might be the person that's holding this individual back. And there came an instant where I let a person go. It was very hard for me. I didn't want to let that person go because I cared about them and I wanted them to be successful. I let that person go and it ended up running into them uh, several years later. And I remember them saying to me, you know what? I'm so glad that you fired me. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Right. And, and he said to me, he said, I, if you didn't fire me, I may have just been somewhat mediocre at the position for potentially years. But because you fired me, it forced me to take a real hard look at my life to reexamine what I was doing and then to find some employment that I actually really loved. He actually ended up going to start his own uh, business and was very successful with it. And it all came because I was willing to have a difficult conversation with somebody that it needed to be had that way. So wow, that's great. It might be selfish, but it's also serving. And also when we talk about selfish, you think, think about, uh, I think about this a lot, you know, charity, for example, charitable work, you know, so, sometimes the mission of your team is I gotta, I gotta excel in my career or I gotta excel with my family or I need to serve in the community or I need to coach a little league sports team. And if you have all the right players in all the right positions and you've got all of your stuff dialed in, then you're more capable of serving charity, organizations, businesses, people, but it starts with you and then it expands from there. No doubt about that. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, all, all relationships are not destined or I should say aren't, aren't designed to be um, lasting. Um, there's, there's certain relationships that you have in your life and as hard as it can be to, to break those off. Um, it's just a, a period that was, you know, maybe meaningful for you or for the other person for a, a moment of your life, but then there's kind of, kind of comes to an end. Sometimes it's really hard for people to accept that. Uh, that could be a, a, an intimate relationship. That could be a friendship. That can be a work relationship. Uh, a lot of different things. Uh, people are hesitant hesitant to accept change, you know, um, and especially if it's like a long time. I had a, a friend 
as you were talking about that, I couldn't help but think of this friend that I had that I grew up with. We were very close, spent a lot of time with him and his family growing up, vacationing with them. And part of my move to Florida even involved him because I stayed with him when I first moved here in my mid-20s. And uh, eventually, by the time I was like 30 years old, uh, our relationship was non-existent. We kind of went two different directions in life. And I just, it took me a long time to accept that. I was almost always fighting to like understand why that relationship had to end or, or, and I didn't like it, left a bad taste in my mouth, but there were things he was doing in his life that I wasn't really liking and didn't find, I found fault in uh, infidelity and, and things like that. And it just wasn't lining up with the way my life was moving. And so I just had to kind of let go of that relationship. Uh, even though I was still very close with like his sisters and all kinds of stuff, it just, it was, it just took me a very long time, years to kind of just be okay with it. Yeah. Well, and you know, sometimes it's not even that sometimes priorities shift and change. And so an example is when I was a financial advisor before order of man, uh, I partnered up with a good friend who I got into the business with. His name is Greg Black and we became really close friends and we, helped each other and talked to each other through a slowing practice and growing a practice and everything else. And he had his own firm and I had my own thing going on. And eventually we ended up partnering together. He, he moved into the town I was in. Uh, we formed a formal partnership and we did that for several months. Uh, and it was great. You know, there, there was a lot of benefit for both of us. And then he ended up moving away, uh, moving to Northern Utah from Southern Utah. And so we dissolved our partnership and that was the end of it. It wasn't bad. It was amicable. We're still friends. And he went on to continue to grow his practice. I started doing Order of Man in March of 2015, 2017 rolls around. And because we maintained a relationship, I called him up. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of selling my financial pl planning practice. Would you be interested in buying it, purchasing it from, it from me? Long story short, he was, and he ended up buying my financial planning practice. So, sometimes things just change. The priorities change. It's not bad. It's not, there wasn't anything wrong. You, you don't think less of the person. It just changed. And maybe you circle back in a different context and maybe you don't. Right. Uh, but I also think about my relationship with my children. My oldest is uh, in the next couple of days, he's turning 13 years old. Our relationship is changing. You know, it's different than it was because I've got uh, a 10 year old an eight year old and a five year old as well. It's all different. And with my 13-year-old, we can have more deeper conversations. We can work on things together. And then at times, he's like, you know, like, I don't want to hold your hand or whatever. Or I don't, I don't want to talk with you about that. Or I want to call this person or hang out with this person or do that thing, not with you. And that's good. That's actually natural. That, that, yeah. It would be unnatural for me to try to keep him in the relationship as if he was a seven-year-old boy. That would be unnatural but it's natural. And so, we let relationships evolve. It's good for him. It's good for me. It's, it's the way it should be. We just got to be very careful of clinging on to that stuff because yeah. we do damage to ourselves and others. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And that, that's a perfect segue to what I wanted to, to get into, which is that difference between malehood and, and manhood. Um, mm -hmm. If you would, because you, obviously it was mentioned at the, at the, the start of the of the episode here. What, what is that difference and why is that so meaningful to really understand that there is a, a, a difference between those two? 
Well, I think it's important we define the terms because as you said earlier, there's so many misconceptions and everything's misconstrued and nobody knows what, like male, I I made a post on Twitter and I said, you don't need to say biological male, it's redundant. It's, It's just not necessary. A male is by its very definition, biologically male. And I actually, I had people push back on that, which is very strange. Yes. And, and they said, well, you know, people that just to be a male, you just believe you are. No, uh, no, you don't. Male is, 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 is a biological makeup. All right. So my boys, they're male. They're, they're, they're male homo sapiens. They're males. Okay. We don't expect them to be men because they're still boys. They're adolescent, but they are male, Right. All right, that, so that's what a male is. So at its foundation, biologically male. Second, we have this term called masculinity. Well, what is masculinity? Masculinity is simply a set of patterns, beliefs, behaviors, activities associated with your biological makeup, predominantly testosterone and other hormones that are found in higher quantities in male homo sapiens, well, other, other animals as well, but in males. And this biological makeup that we have is what makes us masculine. Left unchecked, it could be destructive. It could be dangerous. It could be violent. It could be chaotic. It could be wild. Left unchecked. You know, I, th- I think about uh, the book, Lord of the Flies. Oh, right? perfect, perfect example. Yes. So you have these boys without any... Uh, without any leadership. father figures, yeah. leadership, yeah. no no manliness. We'll get to that in a second. Zero manliness. It's masculinity, sure, absolutely, but it isn't directed and isn't harnessed. There's even stories. I should find the resource, the source on this. Uh, but there was a in Africa, there was a a tribe or a group, an organization of elephants that I think the the bull elephant had yes. been killed or yes. was, and so it was all juvenile males. Yes. Juvenile male elephants, and they destroying. introduced a destroying everything. Yes, a wake of collateral damage in its path, and then they introduced a a bull male into the into the thing, and he checked them right and organized. And this is how we behave. This is and, what we do. And everything leveled off and came back to normal as it should be, as yep. it should. Right. So we have male biologically male masculinity, a set of virtues and characteristics associated with our biological makeup. And then you have manliness and manliness is the ability to harness your masculinity to productive outcomes for yourself and the people that you, ha- you care for. So our, our motto, you can see it. I think it's yeah, right there on my hat, protect, provide, preside. That's what I feel like we as men, not to be confused with males, because I don't expect my boys to do this. They're boys still. But as men, it's my job to be a protector, a provider, and a presider, which is synonymous with leadership. And what I do, or at least I strive to do, I'm not perfect, is to take the biological makeup I have, my masculinity, and harness it in a way that allows me to serve other people, to protect other people, to make money, to serve in my community, to lead my family, to equip myself with the skills to protect should we be in a natural disaster, an emergency, or a a violent encounter. And I'm harnessing the masculinity into something that we call manliness, which is productive and effective outcomes for the people I'm trying to serve. That's the distinction. That's the framework. There's no question about it. 
It's not subject to interpretation. It's not open for debate. And we know this. There's a great book called Manhood in the Making by David Gilmore. And in the book, he, he studies and researches uh, uh, different tribes and cultures throughout all of time in history. And many of these tribes and cultures have never been introduced to each other. And what he found is that there's a striking similarity between the way that these cultures who, again, have not yet even been introduced to each other, view and perceive men and masculinity, which leads me to believe that it's not a societal con- construction. It isn't si- because if it was societally constructed, then we would expect to see wide variance of the way that men are viewed and the way they perform and the tasks that they do and the function they have. You don't see that. It's striking similarities, which leads us to believe that it's not societally constructed. It's biologically constructed and it's societally reinforced. Why? Because it works. It works. And it isn't until relatively recently that we've been able to even call this into question. Why? Because the people calling into question are the greatest recipients of the thing that actually works. The reason that people can call this into question, the reason so many people live a life of ease and comfort and complacency is because they are the recipient of this biological system and how it works. And that's why we can actually call it into question because it's worked. If it doesn't work, you wouldn't even have the opportunity to call it into question. You'd be dead or imprisoned or enslaved somewhere at some place, and you would not be enjoying the freedoms that you enjoy right now. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, that's, <laughs> that's, a lot. Pro- that's profound. <laughs> that's a lot to wrap your head around, but you're right. That's going pretty deep. Uh, but I, I 100% agree. And there's going to be people listening potentially who are saying, oh, that's so, you know, you know, macho, the, the guy is the leader, the guy is, is, is this, the guy is the head of the house, you know, what about the, you know, we're not saying that we don't depend and draw strength from our companion our wife it's a different and, and it's how different vitally important that is but it's a different kind of strength it's different it's not it's not inferior no it's just different it's to go back to the foot the football analogy who's more important the right guard or the wide receiver that's right they're both important that's right you you, you can't have a wide receiver get open if you can't defend the quarterback i was, I was gonna say you, you the quarterback doesn't throw the ball to himself Right. right. You got a quarterback and a receiver. You know, if Tom right. Brady could run down the field under his ball and catch it for a touchdown, then, you know, then we don't need anybody else. Yeah. But we and people need, will we need players in key positions. That's right. And people will occasionally say things like what you just said. Oh, that's, that's, you know, machismo or that's, you know, like toxic masculinity. They'll say these things about what we're doing. And usually these are people who haven't been familiar with our organization. They'll just see it from a surface level. That's well, you right. tell me what is, what is toxic about what I just told you, making yourself, more, making yourself as a man more capable of protecting yourself and other people, providing for you and those who can't provide for themselves and leading other people to a place they could not have imagined going to their own. What's toxic about that? 
Yeah. What's nothing. What's bad about that? What is what? What is so horrible about a man who wants to step up and he wants to lead others well? And he wants to make himself capable of doing. I would say that's a beautiful thing. Yes. That's why we're here. That's why we're experiencing this thing that we call life is to serve ourselves and other people righteously. So let's do that and realize that I can be strong. My wife can be strong. It's a different kind of strength. You know, when you look at women, and I'm speaking in generalities here, but everybody is capable of making, of discerning, even though sometimes they pretend like they're not, they, they can all discern what I'm saying when I'm speaking in generalities. Women are generally more supportive by nature. They're more empathetic. They're more nurturing. Look, I'll give you a, a perfect little anecdote for this. Let's say your kid's outside and my daughter, we took her training wheels off just this uh, last couple of weeks and she's riding her bike and let's say she falls over. Mom and dad, myself and my wife are out there. What's mom's response? Run over to her, pick her up, hold her, put a little bandaid on her boo-boo, kiss it, like literally kiss her knee or scrape or whatever. She's nurturing. She's supporting. She's doing what she should be doing. Absolutely. And what's dad's response? Hunt, put her down, stand up, get your butt back on the bike. You can do it. I know it stings. I know it hurts, but you can do it. I know you can. Show me you can do it. Two completely different approaches to the same situation. And guys will say things like, well, you know, I just don't understand women. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Because if you fully understood a woman, you wouldn't need her around. Because you would be empathetic to it and you would be able to step into that role. And women will say, oh man, I just, I don't get what men. Yes, exactly. You're not supposed to fully understand because if you did, you wouldn't need us around. You'd be able to step into that role. But together, realizing that I don't fully understand why you need to rush over and kiss her little owie and you don't need to fully understand why I need to have my daughter get up and get back on the bike as quickly as possible and back at it. But I do acknowledge that Something about what you're doing is good and something about what I'm doing is good. And together, it's an amazing thing for people. That's especially right. Especially our children. It, it, it's, it's a more complete version of loving, being loving. Of course. You're, you're loving from two different angles. And you, the, the, the masculine or the manhood approach to that is more of a motivating, rah, rah, you got this. Let's do this. Let's overcome, you know, our... Uh, our, our hurts and our aches and our pains and, and carry on. Whereas the, you know, the typically, like you said, that the, the, the nurturing, uh, you know, kind of calming, um, a more emotional response is, is comes from the, from the spouse, from the wife, from, from the mom. And, and that's men what tend I, to be that, a little bit what, antagonistic as well, yeah. which is good. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. To help our show reach more listeners just like you, please let us know how we've changed your life by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. That's strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. You know, I was thinking about this with my son today. He's, uh, he's four and he came up and he started punching me in my back in, in the back, <laughs> you know, hard, like playing, right? Like he's punching me in my back. Sure. And so I turned around and playfully started punching him back, you know, just like punching him and wrestling him. And after I got done punching him, he looks at me and he's kind of smiling. And he's like, 
thanks for the massage, weakling. This is my four-year-old. <laughs> and, I, and I was proud because that's, that is actually, that's a masculine characteristic. That's antagonistic, right? It's he's antagonizing me in a positive way because he wants to go harder. He needs something else. He wants to challenge. He needs to be challenged. And so it's my responsibility as the man, but you wouldn't, he wouldn't say that to his mom. No. Because that's a different relationship, not inferior, not unimportant, just different. And it's all good. And it's all good. And, and we see it in the animal kingdom too. You know, you, you watch a, a little pride Alliance, you know, and there's some cubs over there rolling around the male lion, you know, they might start trying to get pretty physical and then the mm-hmm. male lion will let them know like when maybe when they've gone too far or whatever, but they're wrestling and playing with each other and it looks pretty tough and it looks like, ow, that almost looks painful. Um, mm-hmm. But th- we see this in, in all, all different ways when we look in nature and yet we're, we're so um, – I think in, in society, things you know, the lines have been blurred a, a, a bit, right? To, to say the least, and we're trying to 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 look for these other options or something. Uh, you know, it's it's been a, it's been very interesting the last few decades. Uh, things have gotten a bit distorted, I think, um, where people are just trying to make everything okay, um, and calling things. Um, nor there's new normals uh, every few years. Uh, <laughs> like, like there isn't a standard, I guess, you know, they're trying to like take away a standard for things. And I, I don't, could you talk on that just a little bit? Um, you know, and I don't care I'm how on that a lot. <laughs> I know, I know I, it, 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 it's just, let me, let me share a couple of main points on it. Sure. So First, let's talk about the feminist movement and just some movements in general. I I believe that a lot of the movements that we experience, cultural and societal movements, are started with with the right intentions, but they they quickly spiral and they lose their intent, their standard, like you talked about. And I think this happened with the feminist movement. You know, to to give certain rights to women, I think, is something we should all champion. Sure. But that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about modern day feminism. Modern day feminism has attempted to convince women that they need to be men or at least behave or perform like men in order to be equal. In fact, in, I think in order to get to a point where they don't need men. To, yes. To. Right. And I, and I think that the feminist movement, especially modern feminist movement has done more damage to women and they think less of women than actually a lot of the men I know do, because I don't, I don't think my wife needs to behave like me in order to be an equal to me. You know, she, fortunately we have the good blessing of her being able to be at home and to homeschool our children, which we've done over the past couple of years. Um, She's working on our garden this week. She turns this house into a home. She's not out in the workforce providing financial resources to the home. That's my responsibility. And that works for our dynamic. And I love that. I, I don't, I don't think less of her. But you know what? There's women who both indirectly and directly have communicated with her that she is less because I'm keeping her here, you know, barefoot and pregnant in the house and I'm keeping her and I'm keeping her down. Well, she knows she's confident enough with herself that she knows she doesn't have to perform like me exactly in order to be 
equivalent to me. She's, she knows that. So there's that. There's the other side of it, which is we, we were talking about, you know, redefining terms and meanings and being offended about everything. This is because we have it so easy. Like there's nothing to worry about. I know we're in the midst of, of COVID and there's the border crisis and there's, there's little skirmishes and combats all the time, you know, overseas. There's things that there are, they're there and present, okay, that we need to be aware of. But generally speaking, and if you compare it to all of time in history, we're the most profitable, we're the wealthiest, we have the highest standard of living, we have the best access to healthcare, the lowest levels of uh, racism and all of these other things. It's the best time to ever be a human being in the history of human beings, ever. And because we have it so easy, we have to make up a bunch of dumb crap to worry about because there's nothing, there's no real threat. Yes. Like when's the last time somebody actually worried about dying when they stepped outside of their house? You know, you, you, maybe you're going to face a violent encounter, some sort of a uh, holdup or robbery or uh, maybe even a shooting. But like, what is the actual percentage of that? What's the actual percentage of you uh, contracting COVID and dying of it? Like, what is the actual percentage? Right. It's the same, so same as getting struck small. by lightning or eaten by a shark. Right. And, or, or getting in a car accident, you know, on your right. way to work. Right. right. So small. And we just don't have anything to worry about. And because people are losing meaning in their lives. They're not attaching themselves to a purpose or a, or, or, or a movement or meaning, something purposeful. They make up things to worry about to attempt to give themselves some sort of reason for existing. Like if I can be upset about Dr. Seuss or Mr. Potato Head, then, you know, there's a reason why I'm here and that's my mission. Well, that's inferior to you starting a business or you serving uh, a, a youth sports team uh, or, or you donating a charity or starting a church. Hmm. That's more meaningful. Like do that and you wouldn't have to worry about Mr. Right. Potato Head or Dr. Seuss right. because you'd be so wrapped up in your mission and there's so much more fulfillment and pride and satisfaction and frankly good to others in, in, in doing that. But we have it so easy. We don't have to worry about that stuff. So we voluntarily have to attach ourselves and some people attach themselves to worthy and noble missions and other people attach themselves to things that aren't serving them or anybody else. Wow. Yeah. Terrific. So well said. And it's so true where we invest our, our time and our effort and our energy. Um, to actually take a moment and think about it, right? Is my time better spent in, in a cause where I'm just trying to tear apart someone else's, <laughs> someone else's existence or life or, or, right, be destructive in some way? Or is my time better spent in creation, in, in, in creating a legacy, in forming a, a, a foundation or giving back, serving other people in some way? making my community better or stronger. Um, you're right. Uh, everybody wants to attach themselves to something. And I think people, it's too easy to just pick up your phone and find something to attach yourself to, um, you know, on social media. And then that becomes your, like your cause, but it's such a, a superficial thing and it's, it's, it's dangerous and it's gotten out of hand and um, it's, it's been so destructive for, for families. Right. And for, for manhood, 
And there's been a lot of confusion. We need more Tony Dungy's in the world. You know, we need more of these, these quiet leaders, uh, people who, who, who do a lot of listening. And when they do speak, it's, it's worth like listening and writing, <laughs> writing it down. Um, it's, it, it's, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise yeah. coming from a lot of people who have platforms who, who probably shouldn't have platforms. Yeah, uh, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, social media is wonderful. You and I wouldn't be connected if it weren't for social media. That's we right. wouldn't be able to impact the people we are without social media. So I'm not going to knock too bad on it. But also, it's given everybody a voice and everybody a platform. And then it's given a place for people with dumb ideas to congregate. And so they think they're more powerful than they are. And everybody's yapping and everybody's talking and nobody's really saying anything. And then, you know, it, we, we, we get into the situations uh, that, that we're in right now. So it, it is a challenging time, but, but there's hope and there should be optimism because people are speaking up and people are seeing this um, and, and we can lead. We have an opportunity to lead. Where there's a, a, a void in leadership, that means there's an opportunity in leadership mm. and we ought to find those, those opportunities to step up and lead people effectively by serving yeah. them. Isn't that what we do? Serve, serve, serve them, help those people. Yeah, it's one of our core values. Uh, we we our very first episode actually is our our seven keys to be strong by design, and it's our seven core values as a business, and one of them is service. And we evaluate all our decision making in our business by going through these seven keys principles or seven core values. Um, service is just one of you know integrity, positive attitude, faith, passion, gratitude, decisiveness. Um, these are, these are things that define manhood. And uh, I just, I, I really appreciate all of your insights. Uh, so well said, so much better than, than how it comes out of my mouth. Um, obviously, you've had some, well, you've had some, just different, right? You've had so many of these conversations over the years. Uh, as you said, you've had so many podcasts with amazing men all around the world uh, who are doing fantastic things. Could you, uh, Ryan, uh, share with me really quick with the listeners, three conversations that come to mind with three different people that were your favorites, just without even thinking about it for too long, maybe just three, you could name the person and what the conversation was. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first one comes to mind is David Goggins. Yes. I got to sit, sit down with him a couple of years ago in, in Vegas. We sat in his hotel room and had a couple hour conversation. And uh, I don't remember the specifics necessarily. I'd have to go back and listen to it. But I was very, very inspired by his story of believing that he was a victim, that everybody was out to get him, specifically a, va a, a victim of racism. And he said, he learned along the way that yes, racism did exist, but there was like two people who were racist. And everybody else weren't, but he attributed what he perceived as, as some sort of misconduct to racism and how he stepped away from that and changed his attitude. Not to say that it didn't exist, but to change his attitude and perception of it. That was a very interesting perspective. I bet. Uh, I recently had a podcast with uh, Tim Kennedy and one of the conversations we had was about failure and he was talking about some of the most challenging situations that he's been in, of course, with uh, an Army Green Beret and a UFC fighter and just an all-around badass individual. Uh, he said that he would come home from fights, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he would come home from fights and his eyes were swollen shut and his face was bruised up and he, his fists were bloody and bruised and banged up. 
and his wife would offer him, uh, I think he said a, a, a bottle of, of rum and uh, whatever, like a painkiller, whatever. Right. And he said, no, I don't want any of that. I want to experience all of this failure. I want to feel all of the failure. And he's like, if I could something along the lines, again, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not doing it justice, but if I could bottle up all of this failure into like a liquid uh, digestible form, that's what I would want. Not the bottle of rum, not the painkiller. I'd, I'd want, I'd want that, that failure in a bottle and I would just want to pour it into my mouth so I could live on that and not fail next time. I, it was a very interesting wow. way of looking at it and something I've never, never heard before. Right. Uh, yeah. The third conversation I'm going to talk cool. about, go ahead. No, yeah, I was no, it's cool. it's yeah, very, go back and listen to very it. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. That's Tim Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Kennedy. That one was, I think three or four weeks ago. Uh, and then the, uh, the other conversation I'm thinking of offhand is, uh, John Eldridge. He's the author of Wild oh, yeah. at Heart. Yeah. It's a great book. It's sitting right there on my shelf. I'll have to read that that's again. A, it's that's been a, a few years. Change, yeah. That's a, that, that changed my life. It's such a great book. Um, and I'm speaking in generalities here because that one's been a couple of years or longer since I had him on the podcast. Mm. But I, I remember him talking about where manliness comes from and, and, and a lot of the frameworks that I use come from some of his teachings. Uh, and then his, his, my favorite quote of all time, I, th- I think I would give it to him is deep in his heart. Every man longs for a battle to fight an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. Oh, I and remember we talked that. a bit That's about, it. about that. Mm. And that was, uh, that was literally life changing for me to consider that, yeah. um, uh, an adventure to live, a, uh, a beauty to rescue, or excuse me. Yes. Uh, a battle to fight and adventure to live in a beauty to rescue. Man, yeah. I'll never forget those words. Such a powerful, oh, it's powerful. dude. It's pow- I'm, I'm tearing up just thinking about it because I remember how, how much I enjoyed that book when I read it. Um, I believe it was given or recommended to my boss, who's also my, my dear close friend. And we read it, the book, probably at the, about the same time. And we were, we were just blown away by it just absolutely blown mm-hmm. away. Um, I highly recommend anyone listening, John Eldridge, uh, wild at heart. It's you'll, you'll, you'll never regret having read or listened to that book. Um, yeah. Powerful. Very I'm, gonna, powerful. I'm so glad you mm-hmm. mentioned that. Cause I, I got to pull it off. I'll probably just download it and listen to it in the car. Cause audio. Yeah. Sometimes it's are, way more convenient and sure. It, I get that. It is. And, and I'm, I am almost imagining if it's him that he, he may have even, been the voice for it uh sometimes yeah which would be even better which makes it even so much cooler uh, if there's a book where the guy does the reading it's so great uh, i appreciate you uh coming up with three great answers to that question because i i said you know i know he's had so many uh, but I, if he could just pull yeah, three out of his hat real quick yeah um <laughs> so good that's awesome um I, I just, where can the, uh, our listeners, of course, order of man, if they just type that in, they're going to find, find you everywhere. But is there anywhere particular you'd like to send our listeners today? Uh, I would say the podcast is a good yeah. resource. I mean, they're already listening right here. They're listening right. to a podcast. So wherever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, wherever you're doing your thing, uh, type in order of man, you'll find us. And then uh, follow me on Instagram, I would say is most active. And that's at Ryan Mickler. My last name's M-I-C-H-L-E-R. And between those two places, you'll figure out where to go from there. But those are two good resources. Without question. 
Man, I, I have to say I've really, really genuinely enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, it's been- Yeah, me too, um, Chris. It, it's been powerful. Um, I hope it resonates with our listeners. Um, it, it's all good stuff here that we're talking about. We're, we're just talking about the, the need for men to step up uh, and to, to be manly, to, to, to represent manhood the right way, to be leaders in their families, in their workplace, in their communities, to be serving to others. And these are all really good, positive, powerful things that all of us men need to do. And um, I know Ryan's doing it and I know I'm trying my darndest and I'm trying to get better every time. Every day is a new chance to just be a little bit more manly. And, and that's all good things. So don't let anyone else tell you that being manly is a bad thing. Um, that's right. Ryan, thank you for taking this time. Thanks again. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Good conversation. Really appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as half as much as I did. Uh, please go ahead and hit that five-star rating. Shoot us a review and please go listen to Ryan, Order of Man. Uh, I know you won't be let down. Uh, what a wonderful podcast, doing great things in the world. And uh, thank you so much as always for picking Strong by Design. We really appreciate your listenership and we'll be back here next week as always on Wednesday day with a new episode you have a, an amazing rest of the week god bless you thank you so much for listening to the strong by design podcast if you found value in today's episode please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show plus you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you